Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Rouché. I have a great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. Are we sure that's necessary? What you say every single time the show starts? Shouldn't it be like, boom, today? Because of where we are. What, <laughs> what, ha- what has happened since the last time we were on the show? Yeah. Last week's such a high. This week is kind of like Sunday morning after a wild Saturday night. You wake up. Kind of groggy still a little bit. You realize that it happened and it was awesome, but that it's also passed. And now you're left searching for the next high, but it hasn't come yet. You may have to wait till next weekend. Thanks a lot, Karch. Thanks for the hangover. Thanks, women's national team. We're totally hungover now. Now our expectations and our threshold for excitement have been destroyed. Yeah, thanks, but, for, thanks for winning. Yeah, thanks for winning and ruining our lives. Because <laughs> now we can't get super pumped about anything normal. We, we need a world championship. Yeah, we now celebrate. To be excited. Otherwise, we just celebrate gold now. Otherwise, we're just bored. <laughs> yeah, so uh, sorry, sorry, former members of the USA Women's Olympic teams. Sorry, April Ross and Jen Kessie. Uh, sorry, you know, maybe we're off the silver train. I don't know. Maybe we just don't care anymore. So it's just now that we've tasted gold. We can't celebrate silver anymore. Now that we've we've carched. Oh, we've how se- great has that been? We've had the gold medal around our, our necks. Now we just, we have to have that. It's uh, that or nothing. Everything else is a loss. Congratulations, losers. Oh, boy. <laughs> Welcome into the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen, 20th of October. 2014, coming up on the end of year six here, J-Row, we've got about two months to go, and it is the end of year six of the, the Net Live. Crazy. Uh, College Volleyball Weekly coming up, Brandon and Vinny. Well, also, Brian McDermott, he is the owner and operator of Progression Volleyball Consulting. Uh, interesting guy, longtime fan of the show, and out of frustration, grew this new company, to help athletes find their college experience, get in touch with college coaches. And it's a big business right now. For sure. I, I know having talked to friends that have kids that are of that age right now, uh, female players, that this is a big deal. You have a consultant, the club has a consultant full-time, or you get one from outside to cut video, make connections with coaches, make sure you have the appropriate web presence, everything you need to get yourself exposed to the right places where you might fit for the next four years. Mm-hmm. Or two, or one, with all the transferring that's going on inside yeah. of NCAA Women's Whatever. College Volleyball. <clears throat> got, uh, we've got those things. And, uh, Jeremy, what else? <laughs> oh, man, that's probably about it. Don't undersell the show. What time are we, uh, what time is College Volleyball Weekly over? Uh, it's going to be over at 10.15, and the show so will end 10, about 10.25. Perfect. We will finish <laughs> this program. Just losing <laughs> listeners left and right right now. It's awesome. There was an interesting sports weekend, and Notre Dame hosed. Hosed. 
Okay. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. Hosed. Patriots helped. Here, why don't you move over? Why don't you get out of the way? I didn't see that. So the referee's effect on the game is what I'm driving at here. Yeah. Notre Dame, a pass interference call. Yep. Not pass interference, though, in your mind. Yes. Against Florida State. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Okay. The Patriots illegally line up a player during a field goal attempt. The referee oh, comes in that and moves it, the player over. Told him that he was basically lined up illegally. Before the play started, correct. Interesting. Yes. Would have been a penalty. Referee's effects on a game. I think about the home linesman. Yeah, you're always going to have some home cooking. There's some serious home cooking sometimes. Yeah. I think about places like Poland in my time. BYU. Obviously. That's right, Cougars. You guys. Cougars. Even though BYU alums, who I say that to, blow it off like it doesn't happen. You would think as an alum you'd be able to admit it more freely. There's video evidence, boys. (laughs) It's not like the videos aren't out there and this isn't the 21st century. We don't have a record of the linesmen's horribly homerific calls at BYU. And if you don't want to admit it, just give a smile and a wink. I'm not mad about it anymore. Yeah. Well, as an opponent, you would be mad. but as I was pissed at the time. Oh, yeah. But a few years later, I finally let it go. But to not admit that when you are playing at BYU, they are playing on a larger size court. You are playing on a smaller size court. (laughs) And then when we switch sides, you would think you'd get the good side, but you don't. The, The sides move. It's very weird. To not admit that that is the case at BYU. In particular, yes, I'm calling you out, BYU. Yeah. Cougars. Cougars. To not admit that that is true is to say that the sky is green. Should I text Casey Patterson right now just to see what his response would be? Do you Did you get yeah, home text cooking? Him. Text him. Just doing an informal survey <laughs> via text. We'll see if we can get some honesty out of the Cougar Nation when they are finished. Because that's the one place I can think of. Now, overseas, internationally, especially in friendlies, where the referees, or the, pardon me, the Lions people are definitely from the area, it's the, pretty awful. So they're pretty friendly to... I think it exceeds said home, home team. Oh, my God. <laughs> Blatant touch, ball changes directions, no touch. It's atrocious. And then you can get further into just the ego of some of the officials and the payback calls and, and those kinds of things. That absolutely, I have seen that occur in matches. That has happened. And you bring this up via the net stuff that's been going on, the net rule, new net rule? Well, the net rule is is, is something I like. It's kind of a, a side discussion. You and I were mentioning it earlier. There's a, a thread going on online talking about the net violations. And any time you get into some of these changes, whether it's net violations, overhand passing, the quality or perceived lack of quality of a second touch in the setting, so you can call lifts and... Yeah, and double contacts and so on, especially with the beach game over the last many years. Whenever you get into this, there's always these these extremely vocal individuals of whom I think there are only a few, and they will probably be dead soon because they're so old, uh, who who feel that any changes to that compromise the integrity of the game, to paraphrase or semi-quote those folks. For my side... Whether it is the serve ticking the tape or yeah. full-on bouncing off the tape, yeah. 
the loosening of the second contact rule. The in general. In general, okay. the loosening of that. Yep. The allowance of overhand passing. Mm-hmm. Or the new net violation rule, new in the last couple of years internationally, mm-hmm. where unless you contact the net in the motion of playing a ball, other net contact is considered incidental and not a reason to blow the whistle and stop play and call a foul yep. for the other team. Yep. Yet, these folks persist. No one should touch the net. That should never happen. You're destroying the sport. No. No one comes to a gym or comes to a beach volleyball event to hear the whistles blow and watch the referees make their funny hand signals. Correct. Nobody's there for that. Correct. So the less of that we can have, the better. Well, with the net rule, too, obviously there have been some unintended consequences, but... What are you seeing? I, I like that if it's not interfering with the play, let it roll. Some okay. of the issues are, though, that, like... It's left. It's a decision left up to the referee sometimes, as opposed to black and white. This happened. Blow the whistle. That didn't happen. Don't blow the whistle. Now you've really let the referees do whatever they want. Well, a, a little bit more. It gives them some freedom. But some things that I've seen, especially on the beach, the last couple of years with that rule, is more players going underneath the net, which never happened in the beach. You'd see it indoor a lot because they broad jump a lot more than on the beach. On the beach, when you go to hit, you're basically jumping straight up and straight down. But now guys are going, and girls are going into the net more because they know they're not going to get the whistle blown unless they interfere with the other player, obviously, then it's if you touch the net underneath the top of the net while touching another player, it's an automatic net call, mm-hmm. even though you didn't touch the top. But what I've seen is a couple more ankle rolls on the beach than I'd seen in my first nine or ten years prior to that rule being instilled on the beach. With contact between players? Correct. Never really saw the ankle stuff happening on the beach like you do indoor more. Well, only when Gabe Gardner's out there. Well, then there's that. He's notorious. Yeah. But I'm all for, like, if you're watching, especially indoor, and the rally's going on, and, you know, it's a great rally, and all of a sudden play stops, and you're like, what just happened? And the ref saw somebody tick-tack touch the net. That Those are the type of things where it's like, that didn't interfere with the play at all whatsoever. Um, if the net's bouncing up and down, then yeah. Something should be called. If you're a giant tuna fish? Correct. Getting into the tape? Yes. But I did hear that there were um, the Brazilian team, when this first net rule came out on the beach, like they would touch the bottom of the net on purpose. To do what? What advantage is gained by touching Just the bottom? Just to annoy the other team? Well, I remember a Cuban setter, Diago, as the ball, he sets the ball. Yeah. And this is a guy who never jump set in his life. Yeah. International setter would walk under the ball and then just stand there and set. Yeah. Laziest setter I've ever seen yeah. in my lifetime. He would, as the ball was being contacted, he would pull the bottom of the tape. And he actually got net calls on the other team. Wow. Multiple occasions. That I was there for. Isn't the down ref supposed to be looking at that? He can't look everywhere. True. It took him several times to catch him doing that, but so he, he was he would routinely do that when the other team he would set the ball. Cuba, the Cuban setter would set the ball to the outside. Yeah, they run a high ball offense. Yeah, Osvaldo Hernandez would be coming in to take a huge cut. Yeah, as he takes a cut, Diago would grab the bottom of the tape and just 
little slits at the bottom of it. To do what? So that as the block is up there, the net moves oh. as though the block has touched it. Gotcha. I'm with you. To I'm draw the referees okay. into calling a net violation on gotcha. Cuba's opponent. That's how you're and saying. it worked. That's how you're saying he was like pulling it down so his hitter could hit the ball. <laughs> Osvaldo Hernandez did not need anyone to pull the net any lower. I would lose my mind if the refs didn't catch that. I'm telling you. Literally, I would lose my mind on them. Lose it, Kevin. I've seen it. I know. I would lose my mind. So, incidental net contact, whether it's that, or the setting calls, or whatever it may be, you people out there, you know who you are, who love the purity of the game. Don't change anything. It's got to look like 1935, or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm always curious. I don't like you. I'm always curious when they say, let's play like it. You know, old school rules. So are we going to go back to the very beginning of volleyball when they first started playing? Because it What's wasn't. old school? Yeah. Mintonette? Are we going to yeah. call it Mintonette? Yeah. Let's go get some, some Mintonette in today. I, I'm confused when they say that. I don't understand. Old school means to whenever they were growing up playing the game and the restrictions that were placed on them during that period of time. That's they, why I say it's almost over for they those people They went big court. Anyway. No antennas. Big court, no antennas. Side out scoring. That's what they want. Side out scoring. Five hour, the net. Five hour matches. Can't touch the net. Because that's going to be exciting. The ball has to come out like it's a knuckleball. Absolutely no rotation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You can, in their world, and this is stupid, you can deep dish the ball to your belly button and throw it back up if there's no spin on it. That's perfectly legal. Look, if I could catch the ball and set it every single time, I would set it even more perfectly than I already do. Okay. <laughs> Kevin? Of course you would. Yeah. Of course you would. Which pretty soon I will be able to be back on the beach doing that. I'm very excited. Lots of people were shocked to see you had crutches. I got lots of texts like, "What? why were you crutching with crutches? <laughs> I needed them last week. I do not need them this week, which is nice. It's been easier to get around. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Congratulations. Thanks. I'll see the doctor this afternoon. Hopefully the walking boot comes off. Very good, boot boy. Yep. Boot's dangerous. In the in the water, the boot is dangerous. Now we don't have rain around here, but yeah, I haven't gotten in the water with the. Boot. If we did, if you put the boot on a little bit of water and you're off that little pad part, you're gone. You are <laughs> down in a hurry. <laughs> I've gone down multiple times. No, I don't have not gone down. Don't plan on it. One where you where you get the half the half uh, half pad half half plastic. Yeah, and it slides. You go into however far splits you can do at that moment, mm-hmm. bounce off the bottom, so now your groin is destroyed. Yeah. And then you fall over and land on whatever is next to you. So now you it's have insult to injury. A a torn groin <laughs> along uh, with along with whatever your while you have the boot on your foot. Along with some sort of contusion. Yeah. From your landing, perhaps a broken wrist. And if the ground is wet, you're now wet. <laughs> your clothes now look like crap. Yeah. Yeah. All that can happen just from having a boot. No, luckily I have not experienced that. Well, maybe do you have a safety boot? Let's see the bottom of that boot. Is that a little better? Have they improved the boots? Oh, you have much more traction than I ever had. That's a one-piece traction bottom. It basically feels you're not going down with that thing. No, it feels like a like I'm walking around with a ski boot on. Yeah, you're in good like. shape. You're in good. The old boots, they had just had that square pad on the bottom. Right. It was like somebody glued it on there. Lovely. Yeah. So you had you had just a plastic molded piece that was basically a piece of ice. <laughs> Put on your foot. Chatboard asks if there's an extra Uber charge for having crutches when they pick you up. <laughs> you, you Ubered over here again today, didn't you? Oh, yeah. 
So, okay, Jeremy, this this is my idea. You're gonna you're gonna write a book. Yeah. Actually, no, we're gonna make a documentary. We're gonna make a documentary. It's gonna be we're gonna treat your Los Angeles life mm-hmm. as though you live in New York. You're gonna have to taxi everywhere. You have to do the math. Maybe well, maybe this isn't a movie. Maybe this is a short film. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a a high school level research paper. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. We've gone from feature film to high school research paper in a matter of seconds. Yep, perfect. I I think it's one of those things to see what are the actual costs here. Like calculate the car payment, the insurance payment, the fuel versus your use of Uber. Yeah. Full time. Because you've used Uber, we assume. I haven't had. And Nicole Ray full time. Yes. (laughs) I haven't had my own personal vehicle for over a month at this point. I thought it was longer. No, that's over a month. I don't think it's been two months. No? Mm Mm-mm. How are your costs? Are you charting any costs? I'm not, but I can look back. You have to realize, too, that I don't, because of what I do for a living, I'm not in my car every single day on a commute. What's an Uber cost to downtown? Downtown? Uh, like 30 bucks. With all your gear? Yeah, I could put, if it was just my decks and my mixer without my speakers and stuff, I could put it in the back of somebody's Uber car easily. Do you have to call for, like, a Tahoe Uber? No, I haven't had, uh, I haven't needed all of my equipment yet. It's only thirty bucks to downtown. Yeah, from my house. You have to tip the guy too. No, that's part of Uber, bro. That's it. Yeah, just thirty bucks. Thirty, thirty-five bucks, depending on traffic. Man, that is not bad. And then back though, you have to get rid. Of, and that's Uber X. That's the car. If you go black car, it's probably twice as much. What's Uber X versus Uber? Black like you car? would pick me up in your four-door uh, Subaru. Yeah, I just pick you up in a car because like you, on the way to dude showed pick showed pick you up last week after the show. Yeah, Some today guy. I uh, it was a Prius picked me up. Okay. Yep. And who? I don't know. Just some... Yeah, some guy. His name's on my phone. <laughs> you ride in the back? Taxi style all the time? Today I did. I, don't, I Usually when it's the Uber X car, I like to sit up front because I feel like it's it's like their personal car. So I feel weird sitting in the back. So now you're buds. Oh, yeah. We're B, I, I've become B, I, I am friends with a lot of Uber drivers now. You are? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys hanging out? No. You getting like, like side deals on the Uber? Yeah, exactly. Like, dude, if I cut Uber out of this, I could save like five dollars. Yeah. They're like, well, I'll show you. Yeah, it cost me six seventy eight to get here this morning. Six seventy eight. Yeah. That's it. So I'm gonna send Reed and I owe you for that. Hold on. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about it. Six seventy eight. Mm-hmm. The cost of a commute across Redondo Beach. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if Nicole was taking it to work from the South Bay to Calabasas, oh God, that'd be a different story. Fifty bucks a day. One way. One way. $100 a day. Yeah, that's so that wouldn't be worth it. Yeah, there's a point at which it's no good. Look, being in Los Angeles, you need a vehicle. Yeah. To spread out and not enough public transportation. People are like, don't you have a train out there? Like, no, we don't. Really don't. I mean, you just don't. There's a couple. But you really don't have an opportunity to take a train anywhere that is meaningful. And if you do... You probably have a transfer in a place that you don't want to be outside of the Correct. vehicle. Correct. Yeah. If you're living in downtown or in like North Hollywood area, you can get around public transportation in like a five mile radius a lot easier than you can like from us wanting to go downtown or even to Santa Monica from here, which is only twelve miles away. Like you just it's not can't do it. And you don't measure in miles, measure in time. Correct. But that's what I'm saying. Like if Santa Monica's only twelve miles away, there's but no convenient way to get there other than your vehicle. If I leave my house right now trying to get there via my car You'd get there in an hour. Yeah, I was going to say 45 minutes, 40 minutes. 
At least. Okay. The freeway is terrible. Are you going freeway the or, are you, just are going up, or are you just going up the coast? I'll probably have to go up the coast, up the 90. Still. Venice Boulevard or whatever. That's going to take you 12 miles. 12 minim, miles. Minimum 45 minutes. Yeah, because you're going to sit at lights. Yeah. Or you're going to go less than 10 miles an hour mm-hmm. on the freeway. Or you could Uber it and in, email and text people from the backseat. In another hour, it might lighten up, and then it'll pack in again for another hour, and then it will lighten up for two hours, and then it'll pack in for the next yeah. six. Oh, yeah. It's the only place I know you can be in traffic at literally 12 o'clock at night. I have sat in traffic after a gig at midnight, mm-hmm. bumper-to-bumper traffic. Mm-hmm. Lame. Very lame. But Ubering everywhere, I don't... Hmm. Hmm. How much longer are you going to go with this experiment, Jeremy? Uh, I should be getting a new vehicle this or next week. What did you go look at? Been looking at some Fords. Looked at a Kia yesterday. A Kia? Kia Sorento. Sorento? However Sorento? Sorento, yeah. Is that their little crossover? Yeah, I liked it. They, uh, they're they one of the sponsors of the Clippers. So, um, Got a guy? I do. So we'll see. See how it goes. It's a good way to go. Yeah. I need the crossover-ish for uh, so I can throw all my equipment in. Your crutches, too? No more crutches, Kevin. Just yeah, the boot. Right foot? No, just left foot. You could drive if you had a car. Yeah. I've been driving. Okay. Just not my car. Stolen? Nicole's car? Yep. What's Nicole have? Honda Civic. Honda. What year? I don't know. Newer one? No. 90s? No, no. Early 2000s. It's a good car. Yeah, it runs great. I mean, I think she has 170,000 miles on it, and I know. And where it's what again too is like we'll just drive it till it dies, and who knows? Like that's what I kept saying about my Volvo, and like five years ago I thought I was gonna die, and it stayed around five more years. You guys are gonna hit it big soon. I know it's gonna work out. It's all good. It doesn't seem like it's too profitable being an Uber driver. Yeah, that's a good question. Do you guys make any money? I every I ask Six every bucks I ask here? every single one of them. Uber takes 20% of each ride from them. All right, so that's only a buck twenty. They took from that guy today, yeah. Yeah, so he's made $5 for bringing you over here, which took about 15 minutes. Yeah, I think most of the guys I talk to um, and women that have driven are, it's a part-time thing as opposed to full-time. Yeah, Um, 20 bucks an hour before taxes. So, I I mean, you're going to make as much money as you work, but it's your car. Mm -hmm. So, they say that people say they're making money, an extra 500 bucks a week. I don't know how many hours that is of them working. But well, but it's not their full-time gig. $500, and you got to come up with, with 20% of that is gone, so you have to have 20% over that. They're making $1,500 extra a month, maybe, hmm. if they're making 500 a week after taxes and stuff. Yeah, I wonder how many hours that is and what the wear and tear is on the car and picking up some sketchy dudes. Yeah. Well, and they all have, I mean, all the cars, too, they have to be four doors. Yeah. And a certain year model or better. And then right. they have to be taken to a mechanic to pass certain tests before. There's all kinds of things they have to go through before they can uh, become an Uber driver. That's just what everyone needed, the opportunity to become a taxi cab. But there, I've only been in two, all the Uber drivers that I've been in lately, like I've only been in two where I was like, this guy used to be or could still potentially be a taxi driver, just the way that they're driving. Okay. Um, You know, the stop, go, let me hurry up to that light as quickly as I can get there and me telling them that if they don't stop driving that way, I'm going to throw up in the back of their car. Which, by the way, costs $100. Yeah. I had a uh, taxi driver in Miami one year. We were going down a two-lane road that you couldn't go more than 25 miles an hour. If there were no cars there, there were cars everywhere, and he was going as fast as he can until he got right up to the bumper of the next car. 
And I told him, I, you know, before I unleashed on him because I was about to lose my mind because Nicole and her mom were in the car, I asked him very politely. I said, sir, do you have children? And he turned around and was like, oh, yes, I do, and started telling me about them. I was like, oh, that's nice. Do you drive like this with them in the car? And he just kind of looked at me as like, uh, I go, because you can't drive like this with me in the car. Either I will get out nice, Jeremy. or you will drive a lot better. And that was as nice as I could be, Kevin, because I was about to lose my mind. <laughs> I was about to unleash on him. And not throwing up. I was about to unleash on him. I was not pleased at all whatsoever. I can tell I can tell from that story yeah. that your life experience and mine don't match up because you've never been on a bus in Poland. I have been on a bus in Mexico City where they drive like that in bumper-to-bumper traffic at 90 miles an hour I'm talking with about, motorcycles flying by. And I'm like, we are going to die for sure. I'm talking about a trip in which our team bus beat the Poland, the Polish teams by... I think it was an hour plus. Might have been 45 minutes. Yeah. A substantial amount of time between cities. Yeah. And you have to understand in Poland, highway system, not so good. Yeah. A lot of two-lane streets Mm -hmm. at high rates of speed. Mm -hmm. Our man, he must have smoked uh, 27 and a half cigarettes. The bus driver. In this trip. Just one after the other. Yep. Chain smoking. And I have never since, nor before... Looked head-on at a logging truck twice while traveling at uh, what I assume is somewhere around 65 miles an hour, 100-something K. Yeah. 105K, let's yeah. say. And the logging truck traveling at similar speed the other direction. Straight at you. Now, let's do the physics problem. If a bus leaves Chicago at 545 traveling. Traveling at 65 miles an hour mm-hmm. and meets a logging truck... Ten miles later, which is also traveling at 65 miles an hour, how many volleyball players die? The answer is all of them. Every single one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the scariest trip we ever had in a bus. Scariest trip I ever had in a plane occurred in Argentina. And maybe that, maybe I have that story in Argentina only because I never went to Russia. You get in your seat and maybe you can pull your seat up and move it a couple Correct. of miles Correct, they're not using the... Uh best-rated airlines for them? Uh, you know, they're not even using the bolts yeah. for the chair. I thought your bus story was going to be very Jewel of the Nile, where you're like on the edge of the cliff. Like if you lean left a little bit, the bus was going over the cliff and rolling down the hill. Jewel of the Nile? Yeah. Michael Douglas... Uh, not Jewel of the Nile, though, is it? There was Romancing the Stone. Oh, maybe oh was, it was the second the one. The first one was Romancing the Stone. The second one was Julia. That's Howell. right. I forgot yeah, there was yeah. another one. Sorry, Romancing the Stone. Romancing the Stone is yeah. so good. <laughs> it's so good. We understand you have a car? I do not have a car. I have a mule. <laughs> Jean Wilder? See? <laughs> Jean Wilder? <laughs> Jean Wilder? Yeah, exactly. Oh, the show has come off the rails. I'm going to work on that. Let's go to break. Then at live... We'll be right back. We're going to talk about uh, some star player problems. We're going to talk about LED lights in a volleyball net. We're going to talk volleyball. Congratulations, everybody. It's uh, 1998 in the world of volleyball. Sweet. Yeah. I'm back on the national team. Nice. Congratulations. Right on. (laughs) We'll be back to Net Live. Only the top four teams make it to the championship round. But who will celebrate the ultimate victory at the NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship? Be there up close to take in all the exciting action. And the best way to see it is to experience it live. At the 2014 NCAA Women's 
Volleyball Championship, December 18th and 20th at Chesapeake Energy Arena in Oklahoma City. Affordable tickets available. Go online at NCAA.com slash volleyball and reserve your seats today. Senor, buenos dias. Uh, necesitamos uno, you know, pa... Well, you speak English. Oh, that's that's great. Uh, we understand that you have a car. We would like to rent it or buy it. Uh, we have to get to a town. What do you call this I'm living in? A pigsty? Uh, no. No, this is lovely. Hit the road. Oh, amigo, you don't understand. Uh... Hit the road. Senor, I... Vaya con Dios, gringo. It's cool. It's cool. 
There's a lot of guns right now. Yeah. Okay, Joan Wilder, write us out of this one. Joan Wilder? Joan Wilder? Yes, Joan Wilder? You are Joan Wilder, the novelist? Yes, I am. I read your books. I read all your books. Of course. Come in. The one who writes the books I read to you on Saturday. <laughs> Juanita. Juanita. I can't believe you're here. I've been reading your books all these years. I'm so honored to have you here. I can't believe it. Welcome to my humble house. His humble house. It's like the pool. and <laughs> That's, that's uh, perfect right there. The Romancing the Stone. What the year, Jeremy? 86. Close. 84. Yes. Nice. 1984, Romancing the Stone. I remember that was one of the first ones we had on videotape. I think we got it because the beta store, the Crow's Nest. Nice. It was the name of the place. Yep. It was records, tapes, and became videos and, and so on. The Crow's Nest was getting rid of all their beta stock when beta finally bit the mm-hmm. dust. And we bought a few movies. I think that was one of them. Classic. The? Jean Wilder? Jean Wilder? <laughs> the novelist? <laughs> I read all your books. Uh, I've been reading your books all these years. And yeah, he's in the jungle of uh, of Columbia. Good times. <laughs> Welcome back to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen, here on Volleyball Magazine. We we'll make sure we thank our sponsors for supporting the show, one of whom has been 6-8 Clothing Company. This is a company you need to know. You need to let them know that you're listening to our show and learning about their company, TNL10 is the code that will get you 10% off. If you're getting a better deal when they're running one of their promotions, then make sure you let them know that you've been listening to our program. Go to 68clothingcompany.com or go to amazon.com. Either one of those locations can let you pick up some brand new, very stylish for the tall and athletic male items. They have a bunch of plaid shirts, short sleeves. They just pulled in a whole ton of flannels. They look sick. If you like flannels, if you're Looking at winter time, you need to pick up one of these as well as jeans and other casual clothing designed to fit the tall and athletic man instead of the tall and fat man that most of the stores seem to think that I am and others like me are. 68clothingcompany.com. Go and check them out. Dress well, live tall. All right. Have you been gearing up for OKC with your 68 clothing? I'll get I mean, some, it's probably going to be a little chill. I'll have some good stuff. Get yourself a flannel. I've gotten honestly. I told you last week I got a compliment on my shirt. Yeah, I, I got know. another one this week. Oh, that that same gray Look, shirt. I may later make, in the day. I may make fun of you, but it's great clothing. It is nice yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got to get out there and buy it, and let them know that that them being here and being associated with our show and volleyball in general, because they're in Volleyball Magazine as well. They showed up at convention last year. Let them know that it matters. The volleyball community is a community that can be marketed to and produce revenue for a company. Because after all, volleyball people, and you know who you are, again, probably the same people complaining about the new rules are the same people wearing a T-shirt from 1995 and a pair of iDig shorts from 1989 and a pair of sandals that they bought at least 10 years ago and have probably put back together with duct tape and or shoe goo at least twice. Go out and buy some stuff. Make this a commercially viable sport because you know what? Right now, it's not, and it's your fault. It's your fault, personally. Take it personally. <laughs> you personally did this. You have done this to this sport. You have stripped it of the sponsorships. It's the reason that companies don't spend money to market to you fools because it doesn't matter. You guys aren't spending enough 
money, come on now. Get out there and support the sponsors that support this sport that you claim to love and want to stay the same for eternity, even though it's not having the commercial success that it should, and we should keep the rules all the same and never change anything. <laughs> and furthermore, be extremely hard to deal with on a lot of different levels. Perfect. All right. LED lights in the volleyball net. Speaking of change, now here I'm going to take the opposite view, actually. FIVB, right? FIVB. They debuted what they feel is the next level marketing. Is there a photo of this? I've read about it, but I haven't seen a photo. Uh, you have to go. You know what? There's actually enough good websites right now. I want to, I want to look in the middle of this, keep talking. I want to say keep thank you to offtheblock.com. Yeah. Vinny Lopes. He'll be on the show later today. Doing a fantastic job. From the pins, Blair Lambert, I believe it was. Uh, we are going to, Blair, if you're listening to the show, if you listen to the show, let's, uh, let's connect. Love, love what you're doing right now. Email us. Yeah, from the Pins uh, blog, I believe, right? Uh, love the stuff that, uh, that you're putting out. Really fantastic information. We'll have that later, an update on some of the professional action from around the world with USA Men. And love what he's doing. I, I like the work that's happening throughout the sport. Folks that are out there putting stuff, putting time in. Uh, I would be, would be remiss if I did not mention Spike Town. Mm-hmm. And the aggregation that's going on there. Also, USA Volleyball, uh, they've, done, they've done some pretty good things here. They have aggregated the Twitter feeds of the top 25 teams on like their college page, which has a bunch of other things oh, as cool. well. And I really I like that page a lot. Uh, I think it's a, a very cool idea. But let me, let me get back to you. So thanks to all you folks for doing those things. I really uh, am impressed. Uh, let's get back to me taking the opposite view on, quote, innovation as the Hall of Fame inductions were this past week. It has nothing to do with what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. I'm just uh, noting some other stuff. God, there's a lot of stuff. I haven't been on USAB's site this week at all. Good job, boys, ladies. Oh, we'll talk about that. Sorry. <laughs> you were so waiting is, for you to start your thing so I can join in. But this you're, is producing you're the, I'm producing the show right now. <laughs> As we speak, because uh, ladies versus girls, I I like this. Oh, boy. Anyways, uh, yes, LED lights in the volleyball net. Volleysource.net, also another company. That's where I was headed, Jeremy, Volleysource. Those are Canadian friends? Yeah, Cam Kerr. Our own Volleysource.net group up there. And uh, they have an article here. They can actually go to volleysourcemag.com now. The LED... Lights in the net. This is something that the FIVB is saying is the next step in the evolution. The next big development for 2015 will be the new LED nets, which will be a massive step for the commercial appeal of volleyball. The nets are for the fans. As the Rosetta Stone partnership will enhance communication on court, the LED net will facilitate communication between athletes competing and the fans that are cheering for them. Okay. There is a picture. You need to take yourself over to volleysourcemag.com. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Click on FIVB. LED nets are horrible. Now, there we go. And you can get a look at it. The only two images that these guys could dig up. That's not a net. Oh, no, that is a net. That's a net. They could only dig up two images of the thing, even though it's been in construction since, or been for sale since 2013. Apparently, no one's bought it. It looks like a dot matrix printer. Going across the net. Mm-hmm. I don't care for it. 
The question becomes, are they going to use it during play? You can't possibly use it during play. You say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they'll probably try. The resolution is, let's say, low. Well, obviously, the. F- what are you going to put in there that you couldn't put on a giant video screen next to sponsors? Remember, on FIVB, it would say "Swatch on the net." Like you look at it from a certain angle, you could see Swatch fully across the net. Okay. Um, it's going to be. Spon- does it need to light up? No, but apparently this does. So you can change it. So you can have more than one sponsor on the net. How many colors do we have? You're going to. I have- see white and blue. That's all I see. Now, I imagine with LEDs, you could have most any color. Yeah, Ed Chan made a uh, great comment, too. Like, how's that going to look with photos? Like, when you're, like, trying to take photos of the action and there's, like, lights from the net. It's going to be a disaster. Hashtag photog problems for Ed Chan. Uh, but I agree. The other question, too, you have is, obviously, you can see through the net. These have somewhat of a solid background color behind them. What happens when it's not that solid of a color background behind it? Or are you going to get are the lights and the They'll be wording? bright enough. I think you can see. No, I'm sure you can see it, but is it going to get lost in all the colors behind it? Does that make Maybe. Sense? Yeah. Maybe. They're they're showing the screens here. If you go and check out the article, he, he make a good point about the screens that are now around. You used to have banners around a floor, and in most circumstances, outside of a world championships, you have banners, not screens, yeah. around the floor. Now, I just did Monster Energy Cup this past week, which right. is, again, motorcycle racing. They brought in a new share your pictures function where they would scroll pictures across screens. And last year, they brought in a, a like large number. Jumbo? Not on the Jumbotron. These are set up screens around the arena. Oh, okay. Interesting. One is, I want to say, about 20 feet long and about 5 feet high. Like you'd post it. You'd hashtag their whatever their hashtag is, and through their Instagram, and it would get it approved. And it, would yeah. ro- it would roll through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Very you cool. could you could take a picture there. You could take a picture at home, and it would roll. Yep. In the stadium, it's been going on. And they have a couple of those. They had seven of them throughout the venue, outside as well as in the stadium itself. There were four or five in the the stadium itself. I think there were four. And these are a varying size. Some are bigger, some are smaller. That kind of technology is where you could put your sponsors if you had it down behind the tribunal along the the edge of the stands. On the net, I don't think you're giving anyone any type of experience that's really going to commercially matter. I don't think you're giving anyone any information. If you put up big screens like I'm talking about, which are designed to travel, designed to be set up temporarily, not jumbotrons, mm-hmm. not hung from the ceiling, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. These are designed to be set up for events. That's exactly what they're for. Bring those in, and one of the innovations they've had with racing is when the leader crosses the, the finish line, you can't always tell, if you haven't followed him, as guys get lapped, where he's at. Well, when he crosses the line, lights flash, and his picture appears on the side of the finish line. Uh, oh, it tells you what place he's in. Yeah, because they have a, a big gate yeah. over the top. I'm with you. And that happens. And that's been very useful from a standpoint of refining the leader if you're watching, say, a battle in sixth or seventh. Yeah. For volleyball, you can't always tell from somewhere in the arena who got that kill. Which guy got the kill? How many kills uh, do they have? Yeah. What are they hitting percentage-wise? You don't have live stats in front of you. So if they put that up on those screens, yeah. after a guy gets a kill, have a sponsor on, the, say, the left-hand side. On the right-hand side pops up Taylor Sander, 10th kill, hitting Is that his real name? I heard it was something different. Sander, Sander Anderson? Yeah. Sander, if, if Sander Anderson gets a kill out of the setting position, yeah. and it's his 15th of the match, mm-hmm. 
Or put something notable up there. Mm-hmm. 15th kill, hitting this. Second ace, third ace for the team. But you know, Put some usable information into the fan experience. But you know what that is, though. That's manpower on the floor typing that in somehow, way, shape, or form. Yeah, and the LED net, they can just buy and let it roll. Correct. A good question brought up by Brian on, I think it was Brian, if I look back correctly. Will the lights affect the bounce of the ball off the net? Because it's a different weight, probably. Maybe, maybe. So much I, so it's where it's going to be distracting if it's run during play. Well, here's the thing, you and this happens in the NBA too. We can't, nothing can be running on video boards, but like, and by running I mean like movement. Right. So there can't be any movement during play. I think if there's something scrolling across the net, that's going to be distracting the players during play. It's going to be really and or maybe the fans too, and that's not what you want. What the what the, what I see behind the scenes and sports stuff, it's all about marketing and player and sponsorships eyes on the net. You know what they're going to have to do if they start putting sponsors on the net is change the camera angle. Because the camera angle I'm seeing right now is down the side of the net and you can't see what's written on the net. That's what Cam said is maybe it would finally give us the, that end the zone best, view a lot. The best view uh, right. that volleyball has is actually from behind the net. Right. And if you wait for it... There's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind. <laughs> That's a that's a famous person, right? Do yeah. I, should I IMDB that guy? He's uh he's on Time Warner. I think he voices like Scandal or something too. People are telling me that he has like TV voiceovers yeah, now. He's in productions. Good for him. That guy's a connector. Yeah, we'll never hear from him again. Nope. But yeah, you could finally get that view. But even if you do, make it better than that. I don't. Know. Well, here's the thing. This if sounds like they're going with this LED thing, it'll get better real quick if this happens. Here's what I think you need to do. No, I'd like to see it tried out. Throw it in there. I want to see what it looks like. I'm not saying don't do it at all. I'm saying I want to see what it looks like in a match. I want to see it. Put it out there. Yeah. Let me then check it out. Yeah. Okay. Here's what you need to dig into. Who owns this company? What stake does Ari Grassa have in this company, the president of the FIVB? Or what stake does someone else Mm-hmm. who is in the FIVB hierarchy, have in said company. Mm-hmm. Look, I don't... Yeah, I, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Just, I don't know. Just saying. Somebody needs to check that out. Who owns this company? Where are they being produced? Where's the money going? Look, anytime there's change, there's going to be pushback. Whether that change ends up being for the good or not, there's always going to be change. True. Um Again, my concern, too, if you look at anything that has LEDs on it, there's a solid background behind it. You can't see through it. I like light-up objects, by the way. Of course you do. Just as an aside, I like bright, shiny light-up objects. During breaks, I just turn the light on my phone and shine it at you, and you chase it like like it's a cat on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Me and a laser pointer would get along real well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, So that's like any... any video board, like, you can't see through it. There's nothing behind it. So that is... That's gonna be the issue when you know you have five or six players standing behind it. Means it to be it. really bright, really bright, really bright. But then that then you like have like a hundred million candles. But then you have that. So let's say if I'm a defender or if I'm the blocker or whatever, I'm looking through the net. So I'm looking at those bright ass lights that let's say go off when play starts. Then your eyes have to adjust. Like you're getting yes flashed by high beams in a car. It takes they say seven seconds for your eyes to adjust back. Yes. By that point, the play's over. Yes, even if it's just run between plays. That's Correct. a fine point by you. Yeah. So just think, you're just trying think to look across it. and see who's there. Yeah. And you're not allowed to screen the server, right? That's a rule. 
You're not allowed to screen the server by putting your hands up, by piling guys up, by positioning everybody to screen the server. But my now Twitter we're just going to have flashing lights. My Twitter feed handle that scrolling across the net <laughs> at the time may distract you. Yeah. My line for Vienna beef hot dogs <laughs> going across there awesome. makes it so you can't see the bomb of a jump serve coming at you. And is this something? Could the beach implement this, or because it's outside, then it's really not going to work during the day? Again. It just has to be brighter. They are, they won't be afraid to pump 1.21 gigawatts <laughs> into cross, said net. They cross streams. <laughs> Where do those stairs go? They go up. <laughs> 1.21 gigawatts. So this will be interesting. Like I said, anytime there's going to be change, people are going to complain about it, and there'll be pushback, which I understand. And these are legitimate points to bring up about an LED net system. Um, I want to see it. Yeah, you want to see it in action. Like anything. Cam says, great idea, horrible execution. I, okay, I'll go with that. But I, I won't pass on the horrible execution until I have seen this thing in action. I want to see it brought into action. And you know how you do stuff like that? You do it at the lower levels first, like how baseball does with AAA or even the NBA was doing in the preseason with the 44-minute game. You try that stuff not during quote-unquote real matches. Yeah, we better see this during some friendlies. Yeah. Yeah, what happens now to the the linesman call if the linesman's looking up? His eyes are blinded. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, they have an excuse. He's he's looking me up on Twitter because my hashtag has gone across. (laughs) I don't know if that was in or out. I was looking up how to spell DJ Rouget. All right, we will keep an eye on this. I want to see it in action. I'm not going to dismiss it entirely. I think it looks a little hokey and goofy from the two photos that are available commercially. But I'd like to see it in person. I'd also like to see those video screens around, those portable video screens erected. I'd rather see that providing both sponsorship interaction, which absolutely necessary. I want more of. I want more integration of sponsors. I want more people in the sport doing advertising, as I just said. And I want more information for the in-house viewer as to what's happening, who got the last kill. And it's not just running the board if there happens to be one, which in many cases overseas there is not, a giant jumbotron which has the traditional scoring capability of a basketball billboard Correct. where you can put up so-and-so with this many kills and whatever and have that static. I like that. I also like the interactive one with their pictures. You can now promote the players and what they look like and put a variety of different info in there. And don't tell me people won't look at that when they had their hand in their popcorn. Yeah, and we're cleaning ketchup off of their shirt and missed a play. Go, oh, who got that last kill? Trying the crowd to... went crazy. Yeah. What happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look down at the board. Now you know. You don't have to somehow look up and try and do the math from what do I remember last time when I looked up at the stat board. My Los Angeles Clippers this season stats um, are a priority to push towards the fans. Um, we're running a lot more stats, like yeah. when players are at the f- free throw line, like here are their stats for the game so far. And then there's also going to be stuff that we're doing, um, stats throughout the game, like what both teams are doing and like how it's affecting the game. Not just the stat, but then it gives you stuff of how it's affecting the game. Yeah. So I'll be curious to see how that's uh, implemented into the games this year. Next level. Yep. For Next sure. level kind of stuff. So, all right, LED night, let, night pardon me, LED net LED light. night. Used at night. Keep an eye on them. We will... Keep an eye on that. Good article over there on volleysourcemag.com. Excellent work being done yeah, by our Canadian be, friends. If they want to be a sponsor of the Net Live, we're all for it. <laughs> we yes. love LED nets. I'm all about them. <laughs> I'm excited for their Can't integration wait. Yeah. into every level. Can't wait to wear my 6-8 clothing LED shirt. <laughs> I have a few movies I want to see, Jeremy. Okay. 
I want to see Fury. I want to see Brad Gone. Pitt. Yep. Yeah. I want to see Gone Girl. Okay. Heard it's three hours long, but I still want to see it. Mm-hmm. The Book of Life looks good. Book of Life. The animated one with Dea de los Muertos kind of thing. It's a love story. Interstellar already has my money. They own my money. I know. And probably a lot of it because I would like to see it in 3D IMAX Not if it's available. Not a big fan of Matthew McConaughey. Oh, really? You don't like shirtless, the movie... attractive men? No, I don't mind that. Um, I don't think he's a great actor. I know he lost a bunch of weight and got an award and did a good job in the movie. Just overall for me... He was excellent in Dallas Buyers Club. Correct. Did you see it? I did. Okay. Great movie. I'm just not the biggest fan of his. Just like I'm not the biggest fan of Ben Affleck. You like Jared Leto better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben Affleck. Because... Affleck. Affleck Whatever. Because when I see Ben and or Matthew McConaughey act, I look at Matthew McConaughey and Ben Affleck, not whatever character they're playing. You're just seeing Wooderson. Yeah, and again... I'm going to see Interstellar. And I like forget, it, like forget it, the guy's like name. Like, I'm mad at myself because I'm not a big fan, but I, the movie looks really good. People forget that Ben Affleck is in Days and Confused. It's a great movie. One of the all-time best films ever. Chasing Amy. See it if you haven't. Chasing Amy's pretty good. Yeah. Clerks. I, I enjoyed Clerks. I oversold it to a couple people. Because <laughs> it's one of those quirky films. Underrated is True Detective, yes. He did a good job in True Detective. But I still see Matthew McConaughey when he acts, as opposed to whatever character he's playing. Well, is that his problem or no, your problem? No, it's my it's That's my you. Yeah. It's, it's not, personal it's preference. Not he sucks. No. It's you suck. That's why I said I, I never said he's awful. I said I'm not the biggest fan. So, but you're going to go to Interstellar. I will see Interstellar. Okay. Sorry. Continue your story with the, how many movies you want to see. No, I want to see all the... your animated love story. I want to see that, too. I'm an eclectic movie viewer. I really like movies. I don't know if you really like movies, Jeremy. Here's how I go to the theater. Yeah, I feel like somebody's in your house, Kevin, no, no. but I don't see anything. No, there's nobody here. No, I'm, okay. just, I'm looking for something else. All right. We're just... Um, I like movies. I'm a... I will go to the theater if it's visually appealing to see it on the big screen. If it's just like a comedy or something like that, I will wait till... Yeah, Dallas Buyers Club, just fine at home. Interstellar. Yeah. You want to see that? Correct. Somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I roll. Do you need help, Kevin? This country is founded by people who were in the aliens, man. George Washington, man, he was in a cult. And the cult was in the aliens, man. You didn't know that? No. Oh, man, they were way into that type of stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, this is a fantastic film. You're getting air from there, man. It's no good. It was the last day of school. If you haven't revisited this. I was thinking that maybe you and I can get together over the summer. Trying to hook up with the teacher. It was the first day. Pack yourself into your jeans. Hayes, the freshman. It was a time they will never forget. There's a new fiesta in the making as we speak. There he is. You thought it was cute, James. Do you realize when he graduated, we were like three years old? <laughs> Wooderson, baby. They could remember it. Okay. So you're not going to go to law school? What do you want to do then? I want to dance. Nice. Great song, by the way. This one? Yeah. I might not even play. Randall Pink Floyd. You're in need of a serious attitude adjustment, young man. <laughs> Dominant male in a 50s greaser uniform. Oh, yeah, fighting at the Moon Tower. Drag racing. I get older, they stay the same age. The 50s were born. How many times have I quoted that in the last year? 
I've got it. I've got it. I, I saw somebody on the plane watching it the other day. It is a fantastic film. Days and Confused. All right, so there's movies I want to see. If you want to see those, you want to see some other films. What movie, what what volleyball film do you want to see made? What story? Do we want to see the story of a women's world championships run? Do we want to see the Matthew Furbringer, the Furbiscuit championship from last year, Manhattan Beach Open? That is a Hollywood story right there, because it depends on how deep you go to. How far back do you go into him and Casey's partnership prior to beat them, knowing each other longer than that? Oh, man. Do you go all the way back me to the BYU running, days? Me running into Furby's arms after he wins the tournament. We already know how it ended. Yeah. I mean... Did we talk about who might play Matt Furbringer? Because I think it would be Matthew McConaughey. He's not even close enough to being as tall, though. I mean, not that, even That close. didn't stop anyone in Spiker or in uh, Side Out. It's true. None, every, of those, none of those guys are tall. Then you'd have to lower the net to make them all look like they're taller. They're going to play on a sub-women's net for sure. My God, he's not that short, though, is he? They're all short, Kevin. I know, but I not, mean all of them. But not that short. I don't know. I am a flipping giant. Yeah. At six foot six, I look like yeah. when I get, something out of another world. When I get the blog talk reminder that, Avatar. We have, that we have a show on Mondays, and then there's the photo of you towering over me. Yeah, that's weird looking. Because when we're right here, like I, you're not that tall because you're sitting down and... I'm, and I'm, I'm in the booster seat. I have a kid's seat. I'm, my feet aren't even touching the ground. I have the seat up as high as it will go. The boot makes you three the inches boot, taller. Exactly. Um, really upsetting when we're standing next to each other. Yeah, it's strange. I don't think of you as that small. First of all, I'm not that small. I am average human size. I don't. We didn't dig a hole in the beach that I'm aware of. I was standing on a level beach with yeah, you. We, uh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't dig a hole. I didn't stay, I'm not staying on a mound like I normally do when I. If you if you look closely at a lot of photos of me and other volleyball players on the beach, yes. I am legitimately standing on my toes. Do you carry a small no. fold-out? Nope. No? Like a box to step on? Yeah, an apple box. No, I do not. They they have my partner on Friday night stand on an apple box. Well, yeah, because they can't fit both of you into the freaking frame when you're 6'9". Well, it, it looks silly when he's standing next to me because you think he's only 5. Uh, Amanda, five, whose last right? name I can't think of right now off the top Fine. of my head. No, she did uh, the sideline reporting for CBS Sports for the AVP events. Okay. She's maybe 5'2". That's very similar to, to uh, Alex, who did it for Cuervo a couple of years ago. Dark-haired girl. Yeah. Yeah. Can't Alex Curry. Yeah. Works um, for Fox Sports West. Does correct. Dodgers and but stuff. she was taller than Amanda. But Amanda would have to stand on a chair sometimes, or the times that she didn't, when she would have oh, I remember to that. reach her arm really high in the air. Like I felt, like that's just not right. Phil's already making everybody feel small. That yeah. you somebody next to him who is perhaps wearing children's clothing. That's when not you good. have to ask Phil a question, and he can't and hear you, you, and then you hand him the mic because you can't even get it up to him. That's an issue. I love sometimes when the high school kids are getting interviewed; they'll take the mic away. You never, you as a professional, you do not let go of that microphone. Amanda Flugrad? Yes. Flugrad. What's her middle name? She might want to switch that. I don't know. Flugrad? You can't hardly working. spell that. She's now working with the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're a good sideline, you can, you can rise quickly. That's for sure. Yeah, Affleck, not Affleck. Affleck would be something else. Yeah, the insurance company. Do we have anybody for our college volleyball? Nope, they is. All right, they need to get on here momentarily. They're usually... Early and quick, and I posted the 
Volley Source magazine article Thank about you. the LED nets on Read the it. NetLive Facebook page. Tell us what you think, the netlive at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Cam dropped us a line this morning about it because I kind of blown off the article. I'd seen I it. I remember seeing it too. And, and then, I kind of ignored it. And yeah. then Cam, I read Cam's thing this morning. I thought, oh, this is, uh, this is pretty good. So definitely, if you have a topic, something, the netlive at gmail.com, something we want to discuss. I saw BJ Evans getting upset with you this past week on social media. No, strangely not. Uh, she was complaining about the use of the word girls versus ladies when referring to the women's national team. Ah, okay. She said, I haven't heard anyone say that it is the boys' team on the men's side. True that. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Now, this is one of those little quirks of language that people love to pick apart, as though the use of girls is meant to be demeaning to the accomplishments or the abilities but of that's not necessarily the, the point. person. That's not necessarily the point, though, whether it's meant to be demeaning or not. Well, no, she says here, yeah, I'm upset that the, that the male athletes are called men and the female athletes are called girls. Yeah, I know. But the girls just gets used as a colloquialism. It doesn't get used as, as a, an intent to demean anymore. Correct, but then is the point, though, that that should change regardless. The point is she doesn't want to hear it, Right. She th- yeah. She thinks it's offensive. I don't know if she thinks it's offensive or BJ? not. BJ? But that's the point. That's reg- that's To me, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters if you're offended by it or not, but that's not the point of it. It should just be changed, period. I made this point before about the power of words and the usage of words and words changing meaning yeah. over time. And you have to let them change instead of trying to hang on to being offended with something. Yeah. I think, yeah, maybe at the beginning. And I wasn't there, but the insinuation, as I've heard it told, is that the use of girls to describe female athletes was, was meant to somehow devalue them as athletes. Mm-hmm. All right, BJ said, I'm not offended. Frustrated? BJ, See, what's the right word? That's what I'm saying. It's nothing to do. Do I need to go back to the Twitter feed? Doesn't necessarily what's mean, the right word? Doesn't necessarily mean you're offended or not. Is it the correct, is it the correct way to address our women's national team? That just one goal that we now celebrate on the NetLife. No, I don't think it is. Okay. However, however, like a lot of other words in this world, I think that one that, that ship needs to sail. Every time you bring it up, you try and reinforce the usage of that being negative, and then you allow people to have that power. I disagree. We t- I think we talked about this word last year because there was so much controversy about the use of the word retarded. For remember. most people, yeah. For most people, the use of that word does not mean literally someone with a learning disability, a mental disability, Down syndrome, something like that. It does not literally mean that in the way it is used. When I, if you refer to the girls' volleyball team, I immediately think of high school age or younger. That's actually the dividing line because you don't say girls on a Pac-12 broadcast on a women's volleyball broadcast. You do not say... For college, you don't. No, it's not a girls' team. It's a women's team. And let's say maybe some of the announcers are 95 years old. And yes, the girls on the women's national team are girls that they are compared in age, maybe. Here's where, for me, it goes sideways. Because I'm on board with the girls as high school, women's as college, yeah. and beyond. I'm on board with that. Well, women are making a living, a living at it. Girls are not making a living at I, I look at it as an age thing, too. Because I think it's boys' volleyball and men's. Correct. But the, I think the rub comes for a lot of folks if you were to say those boys are playing playing well out there. 
Nice job, boys. There's nothing ever offensive about that. Nobody ever stops and says, you can't call us boys. Now, you could say those are just little boys across from us. Now, that would be used in a Correct, a but the way context. you said it, I, I know there, I know what you're getting at with this, but the way you said that right there, like, oh, like if you were walking by, if you were like, good job, girls, they'd be like, oh, thanks, Kevin. But if you were on the broadcast saying, oh, these girls are playing really well tonight, then that would be a different story. Exactly my point. But if I said these boys are really after it tonight, it wouldn't even register. Wouldn't register. Correct, but you wouldn't refer to them as boys the rest of the match. That's my point, is that you would say it that one time in that context, and that context makes sense. Even if I did that one time in that same context with the women's team, that would raise eyebrows. Yeah, because you're a male that said girls. That's why. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. A girl could say boys? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that that's that's where the conversation comes into play. And the other the other reason why you probably hear all this is because it's probably more male announcers, broadcasters, than you have females doing the match. We, you, we it, won't dive into that mess. No, no, but what, I'm, but what I'm saying is, as coming from a male perspective, you are going to say, be inclined to say girls more often than a female broadcaster would, in my professional opinion. Sure. Well, they're, they're aware of it. Yeah. Because if I tune into a Pac-12 match watching... Um, you know, women's volleyball, there's usually a female announcer and then most of the time a male announcer. Where if I turn and in, tune into um, Spraw coaching the boys slash men's team at UCLA, it's usually two guys doing the match. Yeah, we could really go into the deep end on this one. I think it's one of those things you got to let fade away. Meaning? Like BJ should should not say we should stop calling our women's national team girls. No, 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 no. She can be upset about it. She's not upset. <laughs> Irritated, amused, aggravated, having indigestion over the Jean Wilder. <laughs> I've read your books for many years. I agree, though, that when you say girls, automatically I'm not imagining. A professional team. I'm imagining a high school girl. Yeah. That's where you can do it, in the context of volleyball. Correct. That is a high school girl. It is girls' volleyball. And it's boys' volleyball. Then it's men's and women's when you step up. Now, that's my designation. I'm on board with that. Um, I think... But I think you should be able to casually say, those girls played really well. Because you would say casually, those boys played well. Nice job, boys. But that's different than referring to the entire team as girls while they're playing during the match. Maybe, yeah, you're not going to do it on a broadcast, but I think this with this is more of a social media thing, just something I brought up is I noticed it a lot since our women's national team won the world title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, women won the world title, not girls. But you could refer to them casually as girls. But even that, I think, draws ire from people if you were to casually do that. Because you could casually refer to it as those bo- the boys played pretty well. Ca- like Again, that's where I said the difference is you're casually saying that, like, oh, the boys played really well tonight. But during a broadcast or overall, you're not referring to them as boys. You're not going to say the boys' national team. No, but did anyone say the girls' national team? Maybe, huh? That one I think I've heard more than boys. I've never yeah, heard which, boys' national team. Correct. That means high school people. 
But even if you would just say, oh, did you see the girls' national team last night? I'd be like, we have like like a junior national. Like that's where my brain would go as yeah. opposed to the women that just won the world championships or world yeah. cup or world whatever it was. World something. Girls' night out. Huh, there you go. BJ. But, that, but again, that's casual. That's BJ, casual it's women's night out. <laughs> it's a, let's go for a women's night out. I'm in. I'm in for a women's night out, Kevin. <laughs> you don't have a car, Jeremy. That's what Uber's for, Kevin. All right. You shouldn't be drinking and driving anyways. Uber. That should be sponsored by Uber at this point. Where are our guys? Apparently they forgot we have a show today. Calling you right now? No. It's my brother who's apparently not listening to the show. No, no College Volleyball Weekly then. What's in the show? We're going to have College Volleyball Weekly. We're going to have Brian McDermott. It's all going to come up here in a second. We're going to take a short break on the net live. I don't know what movie I'm going to spool up next. Oh, boy. Something in the mid-80s? Sure. Really, Ray? Really? all I could think of. It mm-hmm. just popped in there. Mm-hmm. The Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. We'll be right back on the net live. Only the top four teams make it to the championship round. But who will celebrate the ultimate victory at the NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship? Be there up close to take in all the exciting action. And the best way to see it is to experience it live. Could be a big the 2014 NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship, December 18th and 20th at Chesapeake Energy Arena in Oklahoma City. Affordable tickets available. Go online at NCAA.com slash volleyball and reserve your seats today. in there. 
What? What just popped in there? I... I... I tried to think. Look! No! It can't be! What is it? It can't be! What did you do, Ray? Oh, shit! Drink. <laughs> A very tall, very angry Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> I watched this movie. It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> he says it all calm and collective. I, I watched that movie like, I don't know how many times, 30? So funny. Let's let's move on. And obviously it's appropriate now because we're in the month of said Halloween. Oh, God, Ghostbusters is good. Love it. Goes of the Gozarian. <laughs> Are you the gatekeeper? No. Shuts the door open. Knocks again. Are you the gatekeeper? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. It seems like we should just run a movie clip show, but instead yeah. we're going to talk about college volleyball. Welcome to College Volleyball Weekly in association with the AVCA. We review the week that was and look forward to a new week of college volleyball. Each week it is still the women. It's kind of the lonely days of October. Too far from the start to remember. Too far from the finish to see it. This is a tough time for a lot of teams. Who's performing well? Who's handling the midseason, the injuries, the grind, the travel? The horrible bus rides and bad food. Welcome in, Brandon Rosenthal and Vinny Lopes, our experts on site. Gentlemen. What's up, gentlemen? You, uh, Afternoon, you know everyone. Don't cross the streams, right? Do not cross the streams at any time during this segment, please. That's right. <laughs> I want to start out. I want to start <laughs> with uh, with number one Stanford, eighteen and zero, but not before Colorado took them five. Colorado is having one heck of a year. They weren't just a flash in the pan last year, Vinny. No, Colorado is playing absolutely great this season. They're continuing to do that in conference play, going about five hundred. And you look at Stanford. You know, you threw the analogy out last week, Kevin, and it's still all true, this whack-a-mole approach of that they're just impossible to stop. And you look at the stats, in the last four matches, Stanford's had at least four players with double-digit kills. Absolutely impressive, and they are just continuing to roll in the Pac-12. Yeah, whack-a-mole. I'm trying to think of other other things I can compare volleyball teams to. I'm trying to find other games. I'm wondering who is uh, who's skee-ball and uh, who, I don't know, what other games are there? Skee-ball, whack-a-mole. I'm thinking about Chuck E. Cheese. Papa Shot. Papa Shot, yeah. Who's Papa Shot? That's what I want to know. All right, number one, Stanford stays at number one. 55 first-place votes. New poll just out. Texas, number two. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight remain the same. North Carolina jumps up. They're at number nine, Brandon Rosenthal. They come up from number 11, on the strength of defeating NC State and Duke 3-0. Yeah, I mean, we've, <clears throat> I've been saying it all year. I mean, uh, North Carolina is no joke. They've been, uh, <clears throat> the past couple of years, have done some really good things. Uh, unfortunately, if you, if you look a little bit deeper, they've, for whatever reason, been sent out to the West Coast, I think, almost every year to play Cal. Uh, <clears throat> and it's a, an unfortunate draw just because, 
you know, it's just, I think they've proven themselves. It looks like, you know, if they can still continue the way they're going right now, they might be able to host, which is good. I think it's well-deserved. Uh, Joe Segula does a fantastic job, and his assistants are, are right on it as well. So, <clears throat> North Carolina, no joke. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Pay for four, get four. Yeah, 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 I guess so. Uh, other good matches out there. Penn State defeated Purdue, but not before going five. Vinny, how much uh, are these five set matches a symptom of the time of year? Well, you know, I think that they are a symptom of the time time of year. But you also have to remember, we're in conference play. These teams are very familiar with one another. And when you have a team like Penn State coming into your gym, you're going to be fired up. It was an absolutely fantastic atmosphere on Friday night in West Lafayette. Dave Shondell, you know he's going to do a great job in bringing the crowd there, and they had a great crowd. Team came to play, and Penn State's going to go as far as Andy or Andrews can take them. She almost had 70 kill attempts, 70 attack attempts in that loss against Penn State, and then Penn State, the other side, Hancock, without a doubt, one of the top setters in college volleyball. She is playing absolutely fantastic as well, and I think it's going to be really exciting here as we continue down the stretch in the Big Ten to see what team is going to rise because another one also that I do want to mention in addition to those two is Wisconsin and the absolute dominant performance that they had this weekend just pretty much dismantling Minnesota when you look at what they were able to do, holding Minnesota to almost a zero attack percentage in a sweep over the weekend, and then four days earlier than that, they beat Minnesota again in a sweep, and Minnesota only hit 100, and both those matches, Wisconsin hit more than 300. So Wisconsin, they're looking great. Penn State's looking great, Purdue's looking great. So all the teams that we thought were going to do good at the beginning of the season are playing well, and especially in the Big Ten, some of the teams that we thought were kind of iffy to see on how they would do, they're looking well as well, as case with Iowa pushing Illinois five games. Hey, Vinny, you led me right to something I was uh, had circled on my sheet here is Minnesota and Wisconsin. But Minnesota ranked number 23 last week. They fall those two matches. Only go to number 25. If I'm Colorado, Loyola Marymount, Oklahoma, San Diego, the teams that are sitting just outside the top 25, aren't I wondering how a team gets shellacked the way the Gophers did and they still remain above ground? Yeah, that's a fair question. I would also point out that I think every MIVA, EIVA coach is wondering that in the men's volleyball season when you have a Cal State Northridge team that's with a losing record in the top 15. But, <laughs> sorry, I had to go there. I had to go there. Vinny, but no, I don't open yeah. that Pandora's box yet. We don't open that one until April, okay? Talk about crossing yeah. the streams right there. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Vinny, so we said don't, don't do. The two minutes crossing the streams. If you were Tony Ranelli on uh, that show on ESPN, you would be X'd out right now. Tony Reale? Yeah, you'd be muted. Reale, yeah. You'd be muted. You and uh, what's-his-name from Denver, who's always muted. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Woody Page. You know, you know I, I yeah. will yeah. say this, though, and, and just because I've had the challenge of voting for the college men's volleyball media poll, these polls are, are tough to do, especially when you have a poll of 25. You know, they're really challenging, and Everyone has their own system, whether, you know, you're kind of looking at who beat who when they beat them or the gut feel. So they're challenging to pick out. They're not a science. But the great thing I love about college volleyball is we actually have a playoff where we get to decide this. Yeah, or maybe who you're playing next and you want to rank them a little bit higher. I don't know because yeah. it looks better for your resume. I'm not really sure. Let's uh, let's give you a rundown. So one through eight remains exactly the same. North Carolina to that nine spot. Illinois 
comes way up to number 10 from number 15. They defeated Iowa 3-2 and Nebraska 3-1. Big jump for the Illini, Kevin Hambly, and his plaid shirts looking good. Uh, Oregon, BYU, Purdue, Nebraska, and Arizona, your top 15. Then it's Kentucky, UCLA, Arizona State, USC, who appears to have kind of gotten a little bit of rhythm back. Ohio State, Duke, Kansas State, Long Beach State, Texas A&M, and the aforementioned Gophers. Uh, Brandon Rosenthal, what am, what am I missing here so far? What storylines have I just glossed over? Well, I mean, I think if you talk about uh, the SEC, you know, a surprising loss yesterday, LSU going into Kentucky, uh, beating Kentucky uh, in five. I think what was surprising was uh, Kentucky up 2-0, lose a tough one in the third, 26-24, and then lose the fourth, 25-9. So tough go there. Uh, No doubt Skinner. Uh, we'll have his crew back and ready to go uh, because they don't have a you know a easy week this week as they have to go down to Texas A&M. So you know SEC still kind of uh, in the mix right now. Uh, you've got some teams like Alabama that lost this weekend that were on the rise. They lost uh, to uh, Ole Miss, and uh, so you've got some teams right now that are, are fighting for you know, their life, basically, as far as the NCAA tournament. So it should be very interesting coming down the stretch. SEC is is one of those conferences that uh, people continue to talk about. Are they really, you know, past the three-team conference? And, you know, in years past, they've gotten four, five, six, seven, you know, and people have really kind of raised the flag about that. So it should be interesting kind of moving forward, you know, what happens to this conference. And, and you know, a lot of people out there are going to say, ah, you know, what's the big deal? It's one conference. But it's where that conference falls. You know, the ACC has been, you know, really kind of staking their claim, saying, hey, we deserve to be in the five, six, seven team thing if, if SEC is getting theirs in. So it, uh, it, it has a much bigger effect than people think it does. Yeah, if the men's program gets to, say, eight participants in the postseason tournament, maybe the women will demand uh, 138 <laughs> participants or whatever. We have a whole other round. Uh, St. Mary's, one of those teams that got left home last year, due to perhaps due to the SEC inclusion of the number of teams. St. Mary's made a good case at the end coming out of the WCC in 2013. Vinny, what have I missed here in this list of uh, of events? You know, we talked a lot about lot about near upsets this week, but one team that was able to pull up the upset was UC Santa Barbara knocking off Cal State Northridge, which had such a fantastic week last week, but our UC Santa Barbara was able to get the get, get a sweep, nice victory for the Gauchos. And then also, you know, just want to mention, you know, we kind of hit Texas, they're staying number two in the polls, but they had an absolute dominant performance in a sweep against Kansas State, which was as of last week, number 17, the RPI, Texas in that victory hit more than 400. They've hit more than 400 three times this season. And you start looking at that Texas schedule, and, you know, the Big 12 is deep, but you just start to wonder, is there going to be a team that's going to beat them? And can we have an undefeated Texas team coming in the NCAA tournament? Four undefeateds remain still, Stanford, Texas, Washington, and Florida State. So Stanford and Washington remain on that collision course, November 26th, just before Thanksgiving, myself and Al Skates will be doing that match up there in Seattle. And hopefully it's the battle of two undefeateds as the unbalanced schedule in the Pac-12 brings you just one match between those two traditional Pac-12 powerhouses. Uh, Brandon Rosenthal, a little bit of controversy 
this week uh, between myself and Greg Whitus. Uh, Whitus claiming that I hate his team and I wish the Wildcats uh, bad luck and laughing at their success. No, you know, I think I think as usual you've completely missed the point, but that's all right. I think what Whitus was saying was uh, early on in the uh, year I, I thought that Arizona – was going to be one of those teams that's going to be in the top half of the Pac-12. And I think there was a moment of question, not a moment of laughter, just a moment of question of, hey, are you sure about this? And I said, absolutely, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, behind the scenes, you called me later. You said, hey, good call on that. I like where we're going with that, you know taking a shot in the dark a little bit. But, yeah, Arizona's doing some good stuff right there. Um, You know, it's – they're a program right now that's going to be right there at the end. Uh, and I think Rubio and Whitus and, and that crew right there uh, is kind of, you know, deserve what they uh, got going. They're a hardworking team, hardworking program. And, uh, you know, they've battled the injuries and in some of the youth over the years. You know, I think this could be the year um, that they, you know, make a big run. So uh, no doubt Whitus loves to just get you going. <laughs> Love the mighty whitey, as he called them, back in Don't back in high school. Do you know he was a boxer? A boxer? Oh yeah. The guy, well, I know the guy he, does it all. He well, plays I know golf. He like pro. I mean, he he could have been in that film, Beautiful Mind, or only when he wears a full beard and a uh, turtleneck. But I figured it out. He doesn't get to wear turtlenecks much in Arizona. So when he goes to colder places, he gets to like dust it off and be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna wear a turtleneck." Yeah, I used to like to do that. I'd break out the turtleneck shirt. I remember Chris Stop. Jacobson Stop it. accusing me of being in a ski lodge when we were at BYU. I was like, what are you? You you in a ski lodge having some beer? All right, gents. Uh, anything we've missed from this week, but otherwise give me uh, stuff to look forward to. I'm looking forward to Utah taking on Washington State. I will be in Pullman on Sunday morning for that one. Can't wait to go back to Pullman, see what Jen Greeny has done with her team, and once again watch the Utah Utes, another team that I – like it quite a bit with Beth Lanier and the crew there, J.J. Riley. But, uh, Vinny, we'll start with you. What's going on this week? What are the big matchups, key points that people want to watch? Yeah, you know, I would circle in the Pac-12 and just in that match, I'm going to want to keep an eye on Stanford. They're playing USC and UCLA. Very intrigued to see what Mick Haley is going to be able to do if they can get a signature victory after losing to Oregon last week. And then out in the Big Ten, one of the big ones that I'm really intrigued about is going to be Purdue and Nebraska going up against each other. That's going to be exciting. And then uh, for me personally, locally here, I know Brandon's not going to want to talk about but this team, but there's a fun non-conference match coming up here tomorrow, the Battle of Nashville between Belmont and Lipscomb. Lipscomb's playing absolutely fantastic, undefeated in conference play, and Lauren Ford's looking great on the outside. I'll take Lipscomb in that match. <laughs> uh, for me, I'm going the Battle of the Boulevard. I don't know if you guys know, but uh, Lipscomb and Belmont are the two closest Division One schools in the country uh, by distance. We are 2.2 miles apart, uh, and we're actually on the same road. So if you go out of our campus and turn right, or if you go out of their campus and turn left, it's a short jaunt uh, down. I've always actually, when we've played them in the past, because there's been a little controversy, how come we haven't played them lately? But I've always wanted to just send over like a coach to do the coin toss, warm up here, uh, because you can imagine how unnerving that would be and literally 
have like a if you could arrange it a police escort to just drive you over like two <laughs> minutes before the game. So imagine going through warm ups. Halfway between, I think you hold it right on the street. You just send out the coaches. Yeah, but can you imagine like the other teams warming up and and the visiting teams not there? Like that would really throw you off. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Now, if I go out of your campus and I make that right, do, can I make a stop at the Copper Kettle on the way, or do I have to wait for post game? Uh, it's right there, Copper Kettle. I yeah. just ate there today. Some just Man. some southern goodness. Yeah. They, and their slogan is "We put the South in your mouth." <laughs> <laughs> Check That's out their slogan. I didn't. I didn't come up with that. You gotta go to the Copper Kettle for some good old Southern food. It is uh, Southern charm at its finest. Uh, do not, do not, I repeat, do not bring your calorie counter to that. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No. Hey, I'm gonna go outside the top 25. This is a, a really good one. This is one that's gonna be uh, affect a lot of people. Uh, is Marquette and Creighton. Creighton sits on top of the Big East uh, with one loss. Marquette has two losses earlier in the year. Uh, Creighton beat Marquette, so uh, <clears throat> should be a, a real interesting one. And I and I say that because uh, both of these programs are in the mix uh, that could really kind of move up into that you know mid 20s. So I think at the end of the day, this, both of those programs are going to be tough first-round opponents. So uh, depending on where they get, you know, where they finish, and then the all-important, how close, you know, a distance, their first-round match, because let's face it, uh, uh, some of the seeding has, not even some, a lot of the seeding has uh, a lot to do with the distance of your opponent. Uh, that's a really tough first-round match for either one of those people. Yeah, well, it's a tough time. You know, we went through the economic calamity of 2008. The NCAA just doesn't have the funds to move teams further than 400 miles. It's just not uh, not equitable at this time. Maybe someday they'll have enough income from perhaps other sources to improve the quality of the tournament and the seating all the way through it. We will see. Gentlemen, uh, from Jameis Winston uh, autographs. Yeah. <laughs> That's thank what you very they much. Can do. Once again, we'll see you next week for another review. Good luck Thanks. in the battle. Later, boys. All right, Thanks, yeah. All right, College Football Week wrapping up yet another week. Uh, remember, you can see TNL in person if you wish. If you're going to be at the convention this upcoming year in OKC, we will be there at the Gold Medal Squared booth. Working on our booth plan now, Mike Wall. I need to get back to you about that, and we will. I'm, I'm thinking we'll go couches, Jeremy. Couches. It's going to be more relaxed TNL this year. I'm into it. I don't want a, a formal TNL. We still need some. You need to think about the wiring and stuff, too. Yeah. Somebody else's problem. <laughs> yeah. It'll be mine when we get there. <laughs> exactly yeah. right. I'm just pushing yeah. it off to that and then point. I will, then I will be pissed. All right. We're going to have Brian McDermott coming up next to talk about recruiting in high school, moving to college. Boys and girls. Yeah. Living together. Cats and dogs. Cats and dogs. All right. Spin it up. I'll find something on the YouTube. And we'll be right back here on the Net Live. Go to 6aclothing.com right now, will you? Go order something. Look at their plaids.
groovy music, Jeremy, but I'm going to take it back to 1978. Okay. And take you back a little further. Okay. Hey! What's this swine around shit? Drink. Well, what the hell is supposed to do, you moron? War's over, man. Wormer dropped the big one. What? Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was like it our show. The show's not over until we say it is. As soon as we're done with the next interview. Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough. Anyone? Bueller? The tough get going. Mm-hmm. Who's with me? Let's go. Come on. Is that us at the Net Live? Yeah. The Net Live booth? Anybody with us? Who's with us? Hello? We're going streaking. Anyone? Bring your green hat. Nice. All right. Let's bring in our next guest. Longtime fan of the show. Guy's out of Chicago. He's been a player. He's been an assistant coach with several different programs. He's a recruiting liaison for a club. And got that view of it from a club level. Frustrated with what he was seeing. Out of frustration comes innovation. I'm not sure that that's the exact quote there, Jeremy. But we're going to go with it here. Progression Volleyball Consulting is a new effort of Brian McDermott, and we have him here right now to talk about it. Brian. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, man. Thanks for calling in, and uh, and congratulations on the new venture here. Give us a little background on your experience in the sport and kind of what led you. I covered just a touch of it, perhaps, led you to this. Uh, eventual creation of progression volleyball consulting sure so to start i'll talk about a little bit as a player um in high school i was a 3.5 gpa illinois state scholar affiliated with a lot of clubs and different sports so i'd like to play volleyball in college um had an injury decided i wasn't going to but when looking at schools i was always good at math my counselor said you know what do you want to do and my exact answer being kind of naive was well i'm good at math and i'd like to make money Uh, he didn't ask me if i had a passion for math he didn't ask um, how hard I was willing to work uh, to do something in actuarial sciences. He just said actuarial sciences is one of the top um, professions in the country. It pays well, and Illinois State has a good program. So visited Illinois State on a nice sunny day. They give you the tour and tell you why all you know why it's the perfect school for you, and signed up. So after one year there and realizing that you know there's a difference after taking calculus between being good at something, having a love for it, a kind of fell flat on my face for the first time in my life. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I ended up um, spending a lot of time in my room, 1.48 GPA, and uh, came home with uh, my tail between my legs Tell my parents I didn't know what I wanted to do. So transferred to a community college, kind of got my bearings, started playing adult ball, uh, started playing USAV at the double B level. This is before social media rules were in place at the NCAA. It was kind of new. Had a video on my MySpace profile from playing these random tournaments and the Newbury College coach and I got in touch. So visited the school on the East Coast, uh, was nationally ranked program all the three years I was there, ended up having a really, really good academic experience there, was a 3.4 GPA, uh, scholar-athlete of the year person there, and, and had a really good experience. Now, that doesn't make Illinois State a bad school necessarily, and it doesn't make Newbury a great school. I just found that was the fit for, you know, my wants and needs and, and the type of environment that I thrived in. So well, speaking to was, the importance of environment and how that affects college choice, and we see that maybe with a lot of the women's players that choose a particular school based solely on volleyball only to find that they're unhappy. Exactly. So while I was at 
Harper, which is the community college, I was 19, I started coaching there. So I was a volunteer assistant uh, for their women's team. It's a junior college Division three program. Uh, they were nationally ranked all three years I was there. It was, it was kind of a good place to get a good education. Um, I, I coached Division three as an assistant in the, spur, in the fall when I was playing in the spring when I was in Newberry. I was at LaSalle College for one year, and then I went to Newberry and volunteered there. And then I, as I graduated, I ended up doing a year at Mercy University, which is Division one on the Atlantic Sun Conference. So, you know, I was 25. I thought this is, you know, where I wanted to be. And once I saw the politics of revenue versus non-revenue, you know, our, our girls worked hard, but it, it's very competitive about wins and losses. And the administrative work it takes, you know, versus working with the players. I enjoyed working with the players 20 hours a week, but then 80 hours in the in the uh, office. It just wasn't for me. So I, I spent a couple of years in the 9-to-5 industry and did some volunteer coaching. Kind of wanted to take it to a larger scale. Knew, knew some people at a local club. I really liked the environment that they put there, and so I served as college liaison for a year and a half. Um, in that year and a half, a lot of player-parent interaction, and, and the two main things I, I pulled from it were this. The, the majority of parental frustration and confusion isn't due to delusion. It's due to a lack of information. And obviously there's extreme cases where there's no you know changing them. They think their kid is the best, and anyone that tells them otherwise is just getting in their way. But as a whole, while it wasn't always what they wanted to hear, uh, parents were pretty understanding about straightforward and told them, you know, this is the way things work, and this is where, you know, I think your kid wants to be, not just talent perspective, but this is the drive I see in them. This is the work expectation that each school's, you know, level of school is going to have, and this is where I would look. And the second thing is the recruiting agencies aren't guiding our athletes as much as selling them to schools and, and for a pretty steep cost. So, um, you know, fear is kind of their, their recruiting tool to, to sell the families. And, and the thing that bothers me, you know, our college coaches can't contact sophomores. But now that, you know, the NCSA is partnered with AAU, USA Volleyball is partnered with recruiting agencies, I've got sophomores in my club that are getting called directly by these recruiting agencies saying, well, you've done A, B, and C, you're way behind in the process. And we're, we'll get you caught up, but it's going to cost you. And they're charging anywhere from 750 to $2,500. Um, so, so I, I was really concerned with that. So during this time, I, I started, you know, as college liaison, I was sitting with our families one-on-one, and the results were really positive. I, I only had to meet with families uh, one to two times. I got to know what they wanted on and off the court. We developed a plan of attack to research the schools and volleyball programs and, and look for places that complemented the, the student-athletes. The legwork was all theirs. I, I wasn't the one that was, you know, selling them to schools or bringing colleges in and saying, what about this one, what about this one? But the analogy I use is, you know, we don't let realtors just give us information before we sign a mortgage. We don't let a car salesman give us all the specs on a car before buying it. Why do we let the colleges sell their schools to us, and why don't we do a better job of educating kids on how to think about what they want both on and off the court and make them find the right fit for them instead of going to the schools that just sound the best? Um, you know, some of the things I asked them when I talked to them was individual accolades for team success. You know, obviously we want both, but would you be more comfortable as a freshman on a team that's not as successful but you're starting versus starting on the bench and having to fight for playing time, you know, battling for a conference or national championship? And and all the kids vary in what they want, but that's crucial when they're looking, you know, philosophy on why they play. You know, why why do you play the sport? What are qualities of coaches you like? What are qualities of coaches you can see eye to eye with? That way, when you start building a relationship with the coach, you can tell if it's actually going to be a right fit. Off the court, balance the student versus athlete. You know, what what do you want 
Um, you know, the, there was just a study that came out from the NCAA Gold. The average um, athlete is spending about 39 academic hours a week and 33 athletic. And, and you know, we, we use the carrot at the club level of the Division One scholarship, but we don't tell them the workload that comes with it. They think once they get it, it's, it's smooth sailing. You know, aside from the fact it's hard to get, there's just not a lot of opportunities, you know, to, well, to get it. And the workload once you get there is pretty tough. Yeah, there's a lot. There is a lot of opportunity out there, though. And how do you, how well do you think parents are informed about the opportunity? Whether they feel that it's limited based on the ability of their kid, or maybe their kid has enough offers, and the amount of offers that are out there, but maybe those schools aren't meeting the needs of the kid off the court. How informed are these parents? It, it's pretty, I mean, rough right now. They don't have a lot of information. Most of the families I meet with, the parents don't even know where to start. And you know, it's not just. The club level, it's at, at high schools. The, the guidance counselors, you know, if they got hundreds of kids at the school, there's not a lot of, you know, they, they, there's all these websites we use to just say, all right, here's the, the field of study you want to study, here's the location, here's all the schools that match it. But we don't actually get to know, you know, what what, what drives the kid, what's their passion, what do they want to get out of their school experience. And and in 2014, it's never been easier. You know, there, there's these websites we go over, and you can break it down way further field of study you can look at you know merit aid what's the average amount of merit aid we get stuck on the tuition number but the reality is that there's schools that cost more but they're also more generous with their award packages and and there are ways to look these things up there's a lot of education out there that just it's it's not common knowledge at the moment but once you start working with the families it's it's, it's actually probably easier now to find a list of schools that cater directly to what the, the student athletes wants or needs are than it's ever been before because yeah in the 90s you know, you had to play at those tournaments and get seen by the coaches. You weren't getting a lot of information from schools outside your general area. You know, now you can you can look up all those schools around the country, have information, and there's these search engines that, that will help filter it directly to what you want. And that's why I try and when, when I hear the word recruiting, I'm not, you know, obviously the coach has to be involved in the process. They have to make sure it's a good fit as well. But it's never been easier for families to do research on, on schools and get a feel for what their culture, what their environment is, what opportunities they give, um, you know, by doing your own work. Brian, if people want to contact you, where do they need to go? Give them some information. Sure. Right now I'm, I'm working on getting my website up. Um, we, we've got a Facebook page for progressive or Progression Volleyball Consulting. I've got my email address at progressionvbconsulting at gmail.com. Uh, my phone number is, is on the Facebook page as well. I'm pretty accessible. I've got a business partner, but I'm, I'm doing it on my own right now. So I'm, I've, you know, mainly I'm working in Chicago right now, but I've got contacts I'm working with in Indiana, Florida from the East Coast where I played, some people in California. So my goal is is to go, you know, nationwide and and discuss, you know, every everything to any high school athlete that has an interest in it to give them the power they need to be able to find the school that's the right fit for them. Terrific. Brian McDermott, thanks for joining us. Progression Volleyball Consulting. Go ahead and check them out if you are a parent looking for more information and looking to match your kid with a school. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. All right. Brian McDermott checking out. Yeah, this is a, this is a tough thing. I have some friends that are going through this right now, and it's how much how much do you put up online? Yeah. What do you put up online? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can cut together a highlight tape of me hitting balls right now. Just come in tight on the frame, put the net nice and low, and I'll just keep spiking, and I'll look like the best spiker ever. Well, the other thing, too, is what are coaches looking for? That They want to see games. Yeah. They want to see a whole game or, yep. or you know, a whole period of time because there's a lot more to this game than just, okay, can a kid spike? Everybody likes the spikes. 
or the one dig that they made. I've seen lots of people spike in warm-ups and then not get one hit during a match. Yeah, yeah. so so there's a, a lot of things like that to sort out, and, and Brian makes good points about matching the athlete with the experience. For most of these women, not girls, most of these women, they are never going to play competitively with a uniform they didn't pay for on a team after college. Correct. Same thing for the men. So you need to know what that school is offering you for whatever else you're interested in in your life. If it's coaching, maybe you want to play for the right coaching staff. If it's something else, then you need to figure out if that school is offering you that as well. And a lot of that stuff you don't think about at that age. It's tough. So having a service that helps you bring questions to mind that you should be asking that you may not have enough life experience to even think about that. Because at 18 years old, like that is a very difficult question to ask at 18. What do you want to do for the rest of your life? Because what college you go to may determine that. I'm sorry. Did you just ask me now? No. I'm not sure. I know you're not sure. What yet. I want to do. I know. Me either for that matter. Get more tattoos. Be an Uber driver. Apparently, you can make some dope. <laughs> or you can drive me to my doctor's appointment after the match, and I'll pay you six seventy eight, whatever it costs. Six seventy eight. Where's your doctor's appointment? Get you out to uh, not very far. Hawthorne and Dalmo, right on Hawthorne. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get there a lot faster for sure. And we might burn ten dollars in gas. Well, that's, six that's your fault, not my fault. <laughs> All right, good stuff there. Go ahead and check him out over there at Progression Volleyball Consulting. Uh, checking out their Facebook page and stuff. Brian, getting things going. Yeah, he wrote on the. Chatboard too. Another good thing is uh, they talk about why in the initial email to coaches. So many emails just say, I'm this position this year and want to play for your school, as opposed to why I would want to play there. Yeah. No. And team is important. I think even more important on the women's side than the men's. I think it matters more to them the team construction, the off the court stuff, the locker room. What their overall stuff. experience will be. Yeah, it absolutely matters for both men and women, but I think that. For the women, that's a bigger part of the success. And you talk to a lot of coaches, if the locker room isn't right, the performances really go down on the women's side at a greater rate than the men's. The men can be more off balance in the locker room and still perform at a fairly high level on the court more often than the women having a destructive locker room or a locker room situation that is not right, a team dynamic situation that is not right, and their performance on the court itself. And I've heard coach after coach tell me that. And yeah. coaches with experience on both sides. Yeah. That it matters more to women. It's fine. So that's an important part is picking the right school, picking the right kids, picking the right group of people to and, lead. And as a coach to you, I would, I mean, I'm sure they all have different desires and things that they want, but you, you want somebody that's going to stay there the whole time. Not come in there, have a bad experience, and then leave. No, you don't want to lose kids. Yeah. It's tough. Mm-hmm. You can lose kids for a lot of different reasons, but certainly having your team go in and out, in and out is not what you want. You want to keep folks there and have a consistent group and a consistent culture and everything else that goes along with that. You're just adjusting your outfit right there? What yep. Was, what was going on? Yep. <laughs> Didn't want to have a wardrobe malfunction, Jeremy. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks to the boys of College Volleyball Weekly, mm-hmm. Brandon and Vinny. Mm-hmm for coming in here and giving us their information. Thanks to Brian McDermott for checking in. Thanks to the late 70s, middle 80s, and early 90s for their film contributions to the show today. Thanks to 6A Clothing Company, Volleyball Magazine, ABCA, 
supporting the show. Gold Medal Squared, GM2, going to be hosting us at OKC. Looking forward to OKC. GM2, TNL, OKC. There's a lot of information in those GM2, TNL, OKC. What? I thought you... GM2. Yes. TNL, because it's our second convention (laughs) show. OKC1. Okay. I'm sure there's some other things I could come you up with. You could come up with I wanted another acronym. I feel like there was something else. All right. Oh, well. Maybe by next week you'll have it. Yeah. And maybe by next week... We'll have some more to talk about. You'll be back with us. Thanks for being here on the Net Live on the 20th of October. We'll be back next week. We're working on some good guests, Jeremy. We're working on some good guests. Yeah, we put some feelers out that... You're going to want to hear. Yeah. Stay tuned to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash the net live, twitter.com slash the net live for all your Smoothie King and Jamba Juice updates from me as I travel around. I will be at Utah, Washington State this next week. It is a long trip I will be making, arriving at midnight into Spokane on Saturday evening. I will then drive an hour and a half south to Pullman. Minivan? Arrive at one and a half past midnight Mm -hmm. and hopefully not in a minivan. And then be back. So, uh, good stuff. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. We appreciate you being here. Send us an email at thenetlive at gmail.com. Jeremy and I will see you next week. Only the top four teams make it to the championship round. But who will celebrate the ultimate victory at the NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship? Be there up close to take in all the exciting action. And the best way to see it is to experience it live. The 2014 NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship, December 18th and 20th at Chesapeake Energy Arena in Oklahoma City. Affordable tickets available. Go online at NCAA.com volleyball and reserve your seats today.